2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast.
0: Off the coast of Venice, Italy... There is an island that legend says was formed from the ashes of all the dead who were left there to rot. Pervaya Island is a place of the dead. Locals and tourists are forbidden to visit here. Fishermen avoid the area because they say
1: it's cursed. Combine an abandoned mental asylum with stories of mountains of corpses and you have a recipe for one very haunted island. Many lived their last days on this island through the plague, the Napoleonic battles and the island's mental institution. Hi, my name's Renata Daniel. And I'm Anne Rekovich, And we invite you to listen to the stories and the history of one very haunted island. They say it's hell, but the view is fantastic.
2: Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
1: Well, Happy New
0: Year, Anne. And Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners. We finally made it through the
1: holiday season. Did you eat too much? Of course I did. But (laughs) the best thing of all was that we got to be out of each other's hair for a few days. How amazing is that? No, it wasn't I missed you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we didn't surprise we we did sneak a few visits in left, right, and centre, and maybe even a little video vlog which will be
1: coming out, but we'll leave that as a surprise. Mm. And haven't we got a bucket load of things coming up for 2021? Oh look,
0: I just hope we can get our international travel in. We're meant to be going to Wales with Brian J. Cano um, in July, which will be my birthday
1: month. Oh, just give me that injection now. <laughs> I don't care what I get injected. We're hanging with. on. We're hanging just on. give me an injection of something. <laughs>
0: I'm hanging on by our fingernails, but I do I do have an injection for you. Yes. Because on the fourteenth of February
1: We fly out to Tasmania. We do. We do. Please, Tazzy, please stay safe. Please (laughs) don't do anything wrong between now and then. Please. But
0: uh, coming up very soon, we've got our new ghost tour starting off.
1: Yes, it's our Copeland, Cop- Copeland Mine. Yeah. Now, if anyone wants to
0: join us in any of these tours, it's Newcastle Ghost Tours. If you head over to that page there or onto Frightfully Good, or well, it's Anne and Renata Frightfully Good on Facebook, you will be able to find ticket links and all sorts of things there. So um, if you miss out on the January one, there's um, one in February, February. Yeah. and
1: then March. Yeah,
0: so we've got a few for that one because it's just so such a gotcha. An amazing thing to investigate. You know, it used to be like the Wild West. Yes. It was lawless. There was no no rules and people were killing each other to get each other's gold
1: and there was pubs and prostitutes and it just sounds like Newcastle. It does. <laughs> Nothing changes. Everything goes around in a circle. And the thing is that we are going to actually be walking literally on their bones. We're going to be walking over those sites where they were digging for gold and trying to find the riches that we're going to secure their future and make them happy, happy people. And where the river ran with blood. Yes. Um, and
0: what's the other thing? Oh, the other thing is if you want to see our blog for what happened at Junei and our trip, there is a nice little vlog on YouTube. If you look for Anne and Renata on YouTube, you can go and watch that. It's a little bit of fun for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm. But right now. We need to get on to the show. A stone throw away from the famous St. Mark's Basilica on mainland Venice, in the crystal clear waters, sits the lush green island of Pervaya. It's 17 acres in size with a canal that runs through the middle of it and is connected by a quaint bridge. Purveyor has that beautiful, picture-perfect postcard look that makes you want to pull out a banana lounge, crack open a shardy or a beer and sit down to soak up all that sunshine and the fresh air. That is, until you learn its history and realise there is an abandoned mental asylum on the island. It's before you realise that much of Purveyor's soil is actually composed of the ashes, of cremated human corpses, of plague victims and the insane. Don't be fooled by the birds singing in the trees. The streets themselves are permanently deserted and completely devoid of all human life. There are plenty of animals to be found on Purveyor. Lizards... Rabbits, plenty of insects. But there is nothing in the way of humanity. At least, nothing to do with the living. When the asylum was operational, the patients reported seeing strange shadows, probably belonging to the ghosts of the plague victims, and that they could not sleep at night because of the wails of the suffering spirits. Obviously... The doctors did not believe them. Patients were also subjected to tortures, sometimes to death. It is believed that a sadistic doctor did evil experiments on them, even performing lobotomies, as he believed that this cruel practice was a great way to treat and cure mental illness. The procedure was hideously wicked and painful, as the doctor used hammers, chisels, and drills without anesthesia or any concern for sanitation. Because of these horror practices, the doctor was tormented by ghosts who drove him crazy to the point where he jumped, or was maybe thrown, from the clock tower that stands out on the lagoon. By the way... Legend tells that he did not die from that fall, but that he was choked by a mysterious fog. In some silent and calm night, you can still hear the bell tolling across the bay, despite being removed years ago.
1: Send any ghost hunter throwing money at anyone who would like to take them across the bay take to me. Take me. And uh, I, as you, as we have been researching this for a week now, have found many people who have made their way over to the island, paid a small fortune to those who have small boats, who will drop off intrepid hunters to spend a few hours and then come back. So the amount normally being paid at the moment is anywhere between 200 and 300 euros.
0: I'd pay the upper price so you make sure you got
1: picked up. <laughs> only pay half. Don't which, pay the ferryman. <laughs> which um, is about 300 or $400 Australian. So that's that's not a, a bad little... Investment mm. that the fishermen over there are making. Yeah, if it was 300 euro, that's probably, yeah, about 400, 450. Mm. Yeah. So we've had a number of people that, uh, of course, are quite well known, including the Ghost Adventures guys, do a bit of a ghost hunt over at Pavilion. So did, did you say the wrong one? No, yes, yeah, so I oh, did you, just a bit just of a I Just on that <laughs> Pavilion Island um but we'll get more into that when you start talking about the ghosts on the island let's just head into some of the information about the history of It's the got such a dark varied history it is it's literally a dumping ground like a a, a floating garbage dump for venice and italy really now a lot of this information is actually from jeff belanger we did happen to meet him a couple of years ago which was absolutely wonderful when he came out to australia to attend one of our um, paranormal weekends not ours but yeah, yeah. a paranormal convention a paranormal convention here in australia and he is the most loveliest guy oh he's so funny And he is so well versed in all of this information about the paranormal. So if you ever get a chance to pick up one of his books, we thoroughly recommend it. And
0: we'll put a link up onto our Facebook page for his website as well. So if people would like to follow him, he is a great storyteller um, and has some really great information on the paranormal too. So we'll we'll pop some links up for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So here we go with some of the history of Purveyor Island. So nestled away in the crystal clear blue waters of the Venice Lagoon. Yes, I know it sounds very much like what you said, Anne, in your introduction, sits the lush green island of Purveya. Uh, 17 acres in size, yes. Purveya has a, what looks from the distance like a beautiful postcard, picture perfect, green and lush appearance. But of course, that is what you see when you look from a distance. But when you step onto the island, things are so very much different. So the Venetian authorities prefer to keep the island closed to tourists and the public in general due to the island's association with the supernatural, even those residents who live nearby choose not to step foot on its shores. Now, I've got a bit of a question about that, Anne, because it it says here that the authorities prefer to keep people away from the island. But I would actually think more that it is a health thing. If you have a place where you have dumped and burnt victims of the bubonic plague, or as Zach Baggins loves to say, bubonic plague. <laughs> a boob, boob, boob. bubonic plague. I thought that was hilarious. Um, then it certainly must be a health hazard. Well,
0: interestingly, at Q Station, Manly, where I, I did work for many years, um, there there was an area, the second graveyard, I think it was, at the the top behind some of the buildings um, where if you went up there, you had to, on the way back, spray your feet down with, um, was it methylated spirits mm. or terps or something like that, like yes. a mixture of that, to kill off any germs because if you – Uh, raise the soil at all, you could expose the virus that may be lying dormant beneath. And I think it was, they had a period of time, like 50 years or so, I'm I'm pulling that number out of my butt. Um, But there was a period of time that they had to make sure they didn't disturb the soil so that the uh, sickness would die completely. But I think probably for Pavea, that's been hundreds of years. How long does it take for these viruses to die off? Oh, I'm hoping not long because I've had enough of COVID.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (coughs) But let's get back to the story. So um, Jeff goes on to say, go door to door in the locality or ask around in the bars and restaurants and you'll soon find out that those who live on Purveyor's doorstep are extremely reluctant to even discuss the place with outsiders. I'm sure they all have stories to tell. So the most common piece of advice given to strangers is simply, you're crazy if you step foot there. Pavea has a long and fearsome reputation for being haunted, to such an extent that some of the local fishermen and pleasure boaters tend to give the place a very wide berth when sailing upon the lagoon, believing it is to be a place that is both evil and cursed. Now, there is another part to this story as well. If you are a fisherman around the area, it is said that quite often when they pull their nets up from the water, it is not only fish that they bring up but sometimes the bones of the dead I mean, they're still feeding the fish after all those years? Mm, Well, any tides that come in and through, of course, would disrupt any of the dodgy way that some of these bodies were buried And you know what it's like when the water table rises and falls? And we know with Venice that there are so many times that it is flooded completely. Mm, This is true. That, of course, you would get the occasional bone still coming up. And the Venetians and the Italians are very superstitious. So it would be something that, especially for fishermen, remember fishermen are super superstitious, Mm -hmm. would completely wreck a season of fishing if they felt that they were disturbing the bones of the beloved dead. So historians believe that Venice was founded somewhere around the year 450 BC by refugees fleeing from the barbarian hordes of Attila the Hun, so more than 100,000 piles were driven deep into the coastal mud and sand in order to provide the solid foundation upon which a magnificent city would be built.
0: It was a bit like Waterworld.
1: Now Kevin f- Costa would be pleased. Yeah, 450 BC. What an amazing A feat, engineering f- feat, really. Engineering feat in that time to literally build a city on mm. mud. And it's still there. Mm-hmm. Only just, but it is still there. Yep. So famous for its bridges, canals, and the serenely drifting gondolas that are punting slowly along its waterways.
0: And I'd just like to insert there, if you want to have a bit of a laugh, look up Monty Python's uh, Venice clip about gondolas. I'm not going to say it here because it's a
1: little bit rude, but it's hilarious. Okay. Venice is also well known for its infamous figures as Casanova supposedly irresistible to women and the world's greatest lover who was born there in the year 1725. The fortunes of Venice have always been intertwined with those of the sea, which soon became the city's lifeblood, mainly in the form of cargo ships that constantly flowed across the Adriatic Sea, bringing spices and silks from the far east. What an amazing time that Mm. would have been. So the Venetians have always been seafarers, traders and merchants by tradition, and we need to look no further than the great Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Are you playing a game now? Marco Polo. Who sailed from Venice to China during the Middle Ages in order to demonstrate that. But the benefits of international sea trade brought with them one great and terrible risk, disease particularly the bubonic plague. Since that time that wasn't a bat they ate, it was a rat. Mm. That was carried in the cargo holds of merchant ships by rats and fleas. Fleas were the worst. The fleas fed on the rats, obviously.
0: Fleas feed on me when they get the opportunity, mm. but uh, I've managed to break the cycle in my house at last with three dogs. Oh no,
1: three, Two dogs, three cats in the house. I've done well. So the plague decimated the population of Venice on several occasions throughout its long history, killing at least half of the city's inhabitants during the year 1348. Half of the city's inhabitants. It was estimated at 50,000 unfortunate victims who were sent to their graves.
0: I can't help but wonder, and this might be a little bit political, that if dear old Trump had an island where he could uh,
1: chuck all the sick if he would do it. No, probably not. But anyway, let's get back to this. Oh, sorry. (laughs) During the late 1700s and throughout much of the 1800s, the island of Pfeja was pressed into service as a place of temporary quarantine for ships arriving from overseas that intended to dock at Venice with the Black plague or the Black Death at its height, new arrivals would be kept in isolation for a period of at least 40 days. And do you know that quarantine is actually an Italian-based word?
0: I do, but Ooh. please tell our
1: listeners about it. So quarantine, or the word quarantine, comes from the Italian for 40 days. Are you going to say the Italian word? I haven't got it in front quarantine. of me. Quarantini. Quarantini, there you go. And uh, it was because because the isolation period was 40 days. And that's what they adopted in Australia at uh, Quarantine Station Manly
0: as well. mm mm-hmm.
1: So with the Black Death at its height, new arrivals would be kept in isolation for a period of at least 40 days. When a pair of ships brought the dreaded plague to Venice in the year 1793, the Venetian authorities responded quickly and decisively by but not only quarantining those sailors who were infected to the shores of Pavalia, but also by shipping plague victims across from the mainland along with the bodies of those who had already died of it. So as much as we are in the middle of COVID right now, this is history repeating itself.
0: It is. It's quite distressing because it makes you think, what have we learned?
1: Mm-hmm. And it's been about 100 years because the biggest one that we had was the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. and that was 1919 mm-hmm. or around that period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's actually been about 100 years since our last big plague, and here we are again. Yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's the um it happens at the end of they talk about um new ages, like we're coming into the age of Aquarius, mm-hmm. apparently. Is this um some sort of upheaval that the earth inflicts upon us to make us think about ourselves and mm. we get too complacent so it chucks a plague at us every hundred years?
1: Just a little thought. Mm. We'll let you ruminate on that for a moment. Mm. Okay, let's go on. In a sense, it was already too late. The streets were choked with bodies of the newly dead and a huge source of potential infection themselves. The bodies ultimately got burnt and interred either on the mainland itself or on one of the outlaying quarantine islands such as Pavalia, because there were actually three. So Pavelia was only one of the islands, Mm -hmm. and the thing was that Pavelia may not have been the island where most of the bodies actually were placed Mm -hmm. and were burnt. Right. So Pavelia seems to be the one that is the focus point for all ghost hunters, but there were another two. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That may well have actually had more bodies there. Um, Maybe they're all just hotels and accommodation now so they don't want to talk about them. Can, can we go stay there? <laughs> we, we can. So in scenes that must have been reminiscent of a horror movie Barges piled high with human corpses worked their way slowly through the streets of Venice. Bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. With... (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we got
0: T-shirts with that or something? Yes, we We do. do.
1: (laughs) With fresh bodies being tossed onto their decks from each new intersection that they passed.
0: That's right, because it's boats through the canal. So rather than a cart, as they do in Monty Python, we're having a Monty Python day. um, they're, They're throwing their dead onto the, the boats. What, mm. what happens if they missed?
1: Mm, straight into the canals. Mm. These death boats then made for the open sea sailing out to Bavalia, where their grim cargo was dumped unceremoniously ashore before the vessel set sail once again for another macabre round trip. These unfortunate plague sufferers who were sent to such an island typically remained there until they either returned to good health, yeah, right, like that was going to happen, yeah. <laughs> or until they died, in which case they were buried in one of the many rudimentary plague pits that were hastily dug around the island. And that's
0: happened now. There's been um, plague pits basically dug. Yes. Where they've, they've been overrun by the amount of corpses, so yes. they've just had
1: to dig a pit. Yep. Yep. Wow. So plentiful were the number of plague deaths that took place on Pavalia. Local legend now says the island was actually raised up from the charred ashes of these unfortunate victims. So the island's composition is actually made up of the plague victims. Mm-hmm. So let me just go on for a little bit more here because it, it talks about the condition of the people was pitiful to behold. "'They sickened by the thousands daily and died unattended and without help. Many died in the open street, others dying in their houses.' made it known by the stench of their rotting bodies. Oh, my God. Consecrated churchyards did not suffice for the burial of the vast multitude of bodies which were heaped by the hundreds in vast trenches like goods in a ship's hold and covered with a little earth. So Italian author Giovanni Boccaccio describing the Black Death in the 14th century, and the outbreak of the Black Death says that it killed 30% of the people in Europe. Venice was particularly vulnerable to infectious diseases, as it was a main thoroughfare. Yeah. And it it ran an empire on sea travel and sea trade, and there was a constant flurry of ships bearing cargo and sailors travelling from the most exotic corners of the world. The city pioneered plague prevention, appointing three guardians of public health during the first Black Death outbreak in 1348. So Venice also established the first lazarette, a quarantine station for maritime travellers in 1423. The word quarantine itself is Venetian in origin. It comes from the length of time travellers had to stay at a lazarette before they could pass into the city.
0: The lazarette sounds almost like Lazarus, or they're going to raise from the dead. Raise
1: from the dead, yeah. Ooh. By 1776, all ships arriving at Venice had to stop at Pavalia for a check by public health officials. When two ships carrying plague victims arrived in 1793, the island itself was designated a lazarette. It continued to perform this duty on and off until 1922, when it became a psychiatric asylum. What a lovely place to put something for the, the mentally ill people to oh, be well. Holy shit balls. <laughs> and no wonder those people were actually seeing ghosts and spirits. My goodness. So the hospital was finally closed in 1968. The outer garden-like section of Pavalia was run as a vineyard for a short time. <laughs> oh, God. Talk about spirit <sighs> the, you, your bottle of wine. Oh, Ew, but this too was soon abandoned. Pavalia is made up of three separate islands that form a wedge. The largest central section contains the buildings. Right. The yep. point of the wedge is formed by an octagonal fort. It was one of the five built in 1645 by the Venetian government to guard the lagoon's entrances. So they
0: actually had these forts positioned all around. It's an eight-sided. It's like a little mini island, mm-hmm. and they've, they've got eight sides on them, which is why they're called it octagonal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was to defend the island
1: mm-hmm.
0: from what Attila the
1: Hun. Oh, in those early days, yes. I'm thinking of when it was a uh, lazarette. There's anyway. only
0: one of those islands left now.
1: Mm. So, this would have once been manned by soldiers and armed with cannon positioned behind high walls. Today, it is merely a low earth rampart faced with brick, but its defensive shape is clearly visible. The outer section reached by a bridge over a Venetian style canal. Ca- cattle? <laughs> I'll just get my cattle out. <laughs>
0: Let's, let's that would be a back. canal. No, leave that in. That was fantastic. I loved it. That's a canal. <laughs> Pull yourself together, woman. Keep going. I'm, I'm keeping count of your paviglias as well. We're up to nine mis- mispronunciations.
1: I'm such a cow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it is here that the plague pits are probably located. It will never be known exactly how many infected people came to die in Povelia or Povella. God. I think that's <laughs> ten. <laughs> oh. Sorry, you can do it to me.
0: I like it when I make her lose her shit. That just means my day is made. <laughs>
1: I can't see through the tears. (laughs) But researchers have calculated there could be as many as 100,000 bodies buried in its verdant outer section. That might sound like an exaggeration, but in the outbreak of 1576 alone, Venice lost 50,000 citizens. There are at least 22 more documented outbreaks of plague, 22 in the two centuries before that. And many more afterwards. Well, maybe you can remember. That was back in your time, wasn't it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> it's
0: all right. I'll make her another cup of coffee soon. She'll be fine.
1: Workers digging foundations on another quarantine island nearby, Lazaretto Vecchio, found 1,500 plague victims tightly packed in a single small grave. Oh, my God. Oh. Wow. And the thing was some of these people weren't actually dead.
0: They were just not moving anymore, so that was close enough for them. So they threw them into these pits anyway. Mm-hmm.
1: So landings are strictly controlled by the Italian government and, of course, as was mentioned before, they do not like people going onto the island and exploring on their own. It is a bit of a shit show on there at the moment. Yeah. It's overgrown. It's... It's in an awful state, so you do risk your life by going there.
0: I've noticed that they've put some um, scaffolding up around some of the old mental hospital, but uh, it's just in such a bad state of repair. I can understand why they're not going to let people onto the island. Mm.
1: There is a covered shelter for boats known as a Kavana, and the hospital and asylum buildings still stand. But, as you mentioned, scaffolding all around. Mm-hmm. Other structures include the houses and offices once used by the hospital staff. The bell tower was originally part of a church dedicated to San Vitale, but this was demolished on the orders of Napoleon Bonaparte in 1806. So even Napoleon had something to do with this place. Yeah. After that, the bell tower was used as a lighthouse. Wards and dormitories still contain beds, tables and chairs now rusting. The handsome floor tiles at the rear of the psychiatric ward are cracked and greened with weeds.
0: I have to get some domestos out into that to fix it up. Mm.
1: One room is deeply and completely carpeted with torn out pages of Italian books. In the laundry area, large rusty clothes dryers line up against the wall. The hospital had its own chapel once and featured a painting by a renowned Venetian artist, but this is long gone. In some places, vines are blurred and there is a lost distinction between what is inside and now what is outside. And ironically, the upstairs windows offer fabulous views of Venice and even closer Lido. This glamorous island playground is home to the Venice Casino the Grand Hotel Excelsior and the Venice Film Festival. And as we mentioned very early on, it's hell, but the view is fantastic. <laughs> Over to you, my dear. And there's another
0: little bit of history there is that uh, Napoleon um stored his ammunition and um, gunpowder and things on the island and they deliberately spread the word and they relied on the fact that the locals thought it was haunted so that nobody would go onto the island um, they, they, and they could store their weapons and stuff there without fear of anyone discovering it. That's brilliant. Yeah, and um, there is also a rumour that the place has been sold. Yes. Now the government has uh, been trying to sell this. Ireland for a while to try and recover some money for the government. Yes. So the, uh, I think they wanted like 2 million euros or something like that. Nobody was going to come up with that money. Um, there was an offer made and I think it was about 450 euros or something like that. It, it was sold at one stage, but then um, something happened and I will go into that in my notes.
1: Mm-hmm. I can see a casino going up there. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: But let me get on to...
0: There is not a huge amount of actual reports of hauntings. Now, one of the common ones is that they hear the bell being rung across the waters, but the bell's been missing from the tower for a long time, Um, and that they hear the screams at night. Now, Zach and the Ghost Adventures crew went over there, as you know, and there was uh, a little segment which i watched and we'll'll we'll remember to put that up onto youtube or christy will prompt us to <laughs> to put it up on youtube where Zach supposedly gets um, possessed and he wants to kill, I think it was Aaron, and Aaron's going, what are you picking on me for? What do you want? And you you actually see Zach go into this spasm state and drop to the floor almost like an animal, and I remember them saying that they had to use some sort of special balm that was blessed by the Pope or someone to um, uh, get whatever it was out of Zach. But the main ghost that uh, they report on this island is the doctor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the doctor supposedly, there's, there's lots of reports, um, and my friend Jenny was doing a bit of research on this one, and she actually came up with a name, and there's not very many places that report the mm. name. I've only found once, mm-hmm. and the uh, same with Jen. Um, and his name was apparently Dr. Paulo. Paolo, P-A-U-L-O, Paolo. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to be a bit crazy himself and used to like to experiment on his patients. Uh, And he would perform lobotomies without anesthesia and he would use unsanitized instruments like uh, chisels, um, screwdrivers, uh, whatever was at hand really, he would like these patients are lying, they're awake and he would be tapping these things in through their eyeballs into their brains. Mm -hmm. He apparently used to do some other special experiments and he saved that for the ones he chose and he would take those people into the bell tower and he would perform those experiments on them in there and nobody really knew what he was doing but the patients would scream and to hide the fact that they were screaming, he would ring the bell in the bell tower.
1: That's atrocious.
0: So that's where the legend of the, um, the bell being heard and the screaming going on came from there. Uh, the other rumour is that he went mad himself or that the spirits of those who he tortured to death hounded him and chased him into the bell tower to the very top where he either committed suicide by jumping or the spirits forced him off. Mm -hmm. Now, when he landed on the ground, the nurse that was nearby heard him scream out. Uh, She came over and saw him there. He was still alive, but she sort of stepped back a bit because this mist rose up out of the ground. She said it was faint at first and it seemed to enter into his nostrils and his mouth and his body contorted Mm. and the mist got thicker and blacker and consumed him Mm. and then the mist sunk back down into the ground and he was dead. So was that the revenge of the ghosts of Purveyor Island? I hope so. He deserved that. Yep. So... Um, I'm trying so hard to find some good stories or recollections of people going to the island and and having some sort of paranormal experience. And, And a lot of it seems to be because of the atmosphere of the island and the history of the island is that it plays on your imagination a bit. Yes. Um, so you, it's like you're you're primed to have an experience and every little noise sets you off. Yes. There was a um, YouTube podcast that I saw called Scared to Death uh, and it was put up not long ago and they tell the story of five hitchhikers who went to the island to have an experience. So, uh, not hitchhikers, backpackers. We're so used to hitchhikers being involved in, in uh, you know, ghost stories. So, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this story. They don't say whether it's a story or whether it's a true story, I did try to research it to find out whether there was a true story anywhere and I can find no information about this. So it's about five backpackers, Kenny, Isaac and Sarah, who are dating, Wade and Will from Colorado, Colorado, USA, and they decided they wanted to spend the night on Pavea Island. So they convinced a boat operator to take them across and... They set up their tents and they explored the place and they they had a, you know, this was back in the day when they didn't have digital cameras, so they took lots of photos and um, the vines and it was very creepy. And So after they had explored the the island and taken all their photos, they decided to go and, and jump into their tents and stay the night. So the couple were in one tent and the other three guys were in the other tent. So during the night, Sarah woke up to see a man, a a doctor, she thought, in her tent. She found that she couldn't move and that she was tied down. Uh, she, She felt this weight and this pressure. She tried to scream, but couldn't. She felt a pressure on her temple and then the sound of the drill. Then the sound of the drill changed to inside her head. She felt as if there was warm liquid running down her face. She thought maybe it was blood. She wasn't sure. She was thrashing around in pain and then the doctor suddenly disappeared and she was released. So she went outside to get some air to try and recover to find out what was happening and, then, and she, she reached out for Isaac, she, she screamed out for him because he was no longer in the tent with her so she stumbled around for a bit trying to, to find where Isaac was, calling out for him all the time Isaac! Isaac! Maybe she was dreaming she wasn't really sure and then Isaac stepped out of the bushes and said why did you do that to me? Now he had blood running down his face and she's going what what did i do to you He said you threw a bottle of wine at my head you you've cut my head and she said i didn't do that i didn't throw anything and at that stage they thought that maybe there was someone else on the island so they went to go and wake up the others. They weren't sure what they should do. And they thought, well, you know, they're terrified. They're going to be awake. Let's just leave them asleep. So they just checked and they could see the three, three lumps there lying there in their bed in their sleeping bags. So they thought, well, well, we'll stand guard for the rest of the night and keep them safe. And then they realised that they could hear noises in the bushes around them. And they didn't know what was happening. Then they heard Kenny calling out. Help, help, where is everyone? Where have you all gone? What am I doing here? And he has stumbled out holding his head. And then the other two stumbled out from different directions. And that's when they realised that whatever was in the tent...
1: Wasn't their friends. Wasn't their
0: friends. So they ran screaming for help, as you would. And just so luckily... There was a boat that heard them, took them on board. They've left their tents. They've left everything there. They've just run for their lives and they've got onto this boat and they've, they've got back to the mainland where they were fined for being on the island because you do get fined. They, the government doesn't want you on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only did they have the scars from this whole experience, um, but they got a nice fine. They didn't care. They were just happy to be safely off the island. So they eventually got out of Italy. They went back home to the USA. And you know what happened then? What happened? They got the photos developed.
1: Okay. What did they find on the photos?
0: Well, a lot of it was just photos of um, the, the buildings mm-hmm. and orbs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We know what orbs mean, don't we? Oh, we love orbs. <laughs> Some of the photos were a bit blurred as if something was um, drawing a focus away from what they were taking the photos of. But then they discovered a photo of the five of them laying on their backs in a circle on the field on the island. The last photo was of them standing in a circle with a man nearby with his back to the photo, to the camera, and a mist was pouring out of him and heading into their mouths. That's just awful. I know, creepy, heart. Huh? But there's no photos to show. So to me this sounds a little bit like it might be a good ghost story, mm, but right. using the doctor, of course. Yes, of course. But this is part of the government's... Um, Way of keeping off the island, mm-hmm. keeping people off the island, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's a little bit of truth in the stories. And then I found this other one, which is another YouTube um, contributor, mm-hmm. and her her title of her um, page is "They Call Me the Ghost." Yes, and. <sighs> Look, the way she tells the story, it sounds like it's a real story. She She's very matter-of-fact and just reciting what happened to them and their experiences on the island. So she's like what you call a ghost and it would be people that the government would use or a team the government uses to clean up messes or um, infiltrate you know, secret societies and things like that. So they do believe in the paranormal and she has a team that was with her at the time. So According to her, there was uh, an intelligence official from Italy who uh, was very well known. The family was very well known, um, and she referred to him as Mr Rossi. Mm-hmm. Now, they had three sons. The eldest one was Thomas, uh, Tommaso, who was 21. He's a little bit rebellious and into the paranormal, and he made up a little bit of a furfie family and said, um, you know, he wouldn't go to the island, of course not but he did and he took his mate Christian with him because they were they had a paranormal channel on YouTube so they were going to film something for the mm-hmm. their YouTube channel mm-hmm. anyway they disappeared oh All right. and uh this Mr Rossi knew that he couldn't say that his son had gone to Poveglia though no, I got it wrong Poveglia that's my number one um so he reached out to this lady cuz they knew that that she was nearby and said mm-hmm. look can you help I've I've done favors for you before I'm now calling in a favor so they um, this team decided they would go to the island now in the in the meantime there was weird things happening in the family home where Tommaso um, lived there was things like his favorite plate and glass went missing that was set on the table where they'd left it for him to come and have a meal with them that day. Um, And then they found it washed up in the sink and left the wrong way up because he used to be a bit of a rebel. And if it was his turn to wash up, he would leave things the wrong way that the the mother wanted it done. Apparently the mother freaked out by that and um, reached for the glass and fell to the floor and it smashed everywhere. Now, one of the beliefs of uh, the Italians uh, is that the uh, the island was supposed to be a place that you went to if it's called like the in-between. It sort of reminded me a little bit of Stranger Things with the mm-hmm. upside down. Mm-hmm. It was neither heaven nor hell. And if people died, they got stuck there in this in-between and that they are angry because they're stuck there. Um, and these souls that are on the island that are angry were taking souls as um, retribution for the unfair deaths of the um, plague victims or the the insane that were on the island. And they actually had like a furnace there to burn the bodies. There was that many of them. Yeah. And they say that the, like 50% of the island is made up of human remains and ash, which is yeah. terrifying. Yeah. So anyway, this um, lady... Uh, decided to take her whole team to go and find Tomas and Christian. They went out and she said that it was a very strange sort of situation. It was almost like as they were traveling across the moon, which was quite bright, started to dim. And it was like the island was defending itself to keep them away from being there. But they just changed to night vision, as you do when you're a spy team. Yes, <laughs> they, they heard lots of shufflings and, and things that were going on. So they've, they've gotten to the main building. It's all covered in vines and once they're inside the building they were hearing noises outside the building so it was like the spirits were trying to distract them Mm -hmm. from what they were doing so as they were going through the rooms all of a sudden a big chunk of the ceiling falls in just in front of them now here we come up with another rumor there was a rumor that the island was booby-trapped to keep people away, to scare them away. So these these guys sort of then had to realise that they had to watch for booby traps as well. So it looks like the government's gone to a lot of trouble to keep people off this island. So they they search for the boys um, and they find, as you said, there was all the rusting beds and baths and restraints on the beds, chains on the wall. They even found blades that were for bloodletting.
1: Oh.
0: Yep. Um, And as they were moving through, they had experiences like fingers being stroked through their hair. They saw shadows. One of them saw what looked like an animal about the size of a squirrel climbing or crawling across the floor in the rubble in front of them. But there was nothing there. They also saw a service light that was flickering in the distance. But there were no service lights on the island. So they started calling out the boys' names to try and get their attention um, and they're challenging the spirit, saying, look, we are not going to leave until we get these two boys, so give them up to us or we're going to be here annoying you for a long time. As they're doing this, the weather starts to deteriorate and they've got the wind howling and the rain pouring and they're getting drenched to the skin and the wind swirls around them as they're getting closer to the bell tower. Now, they did have a medium, a psychic amongst them who was intuitive to all this stuff and says she was leading them towards the bell tower because that's where she felt they needed to go. As they got closer, the activity gets stronger, which made them happy because they knew that um, more resistance was being thrown up as they got closer to their goal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. At that stage, they do what you should never do in any horror movie, they split up. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> so half of them took the upper levels and half of them took the bottom levels uh, and they were exploring those and then they heard Scarlet, one of the, the ladies on the team, scream. So the upstairs people went running down to see what had happened to find Scarlet pinned to a wall face first, her face to the side and her, like her hands and her arms up against the wall and she was pinned there with a the pressure on her back. All of this is happening with the thunder and the lightning going all around them. They, they reckon they could actually see their imprint of hands on her back. Oh, that would have been terrifying. Yeah. So at this stage, they start to hear whispering voices around them. These voices are getting louder and stronger and they're trying to work out how to get Scarlet off the wall. At that stage, Scarlet screams yet again and is pressed harder into the wall and one of them decides that's enough and, just, and rushes, going, No, you get off her. And as they get to her, they reach like an invisible wall and can't actually get to her. And they see this smoke around her, like almost like a powder. Now, remember we had this powder in it, another couple of stories? Oh,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, maybe it's ash. Could it be ash? Hmm. Anyway, the, whatever it was, it finally releases her and she says, did you hear what they were saying? Did you hear what the voices were saying? And they were going, no, we couldn't make it out. And she said, he is glad that we are here and that he has caught us in his trap.
1: So they're referring to the doctor.
0: Yes. She said that there is one main entity. Even though they've got this collective,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what it is, is he is collecting souls. Mm. So even in his death, he is holding these souls in place. Um, so when he's saying to them, you know, he's caught them, he was using intimidation. hmm right, to scare them. Now, they realise that a lot of the stuff they were hearing and seeing was a bit of a hallucination mm-hmm. and so they needed to focus to not be distracted by what this doctor is throwing at them. So they keep heading to the bell tower and um, once this uh, medium describes what's happening, that she is released and um, they're on their way and the mumbling voices disappear. So they're all fired up. They open up the door to go into the bell tower and find themselves in a different world. So now it's like, and we talk about this sometimes, time slips Mm -hmm. or alternate realities and where they are, the sun is shining and the uh, buildings are whole and the, the vines aren't growing over everything. And then they found in the room next to the bell tower the two boys. Now they were... Alive, and they were just on the floor, huddled, but mentally they weren't there. Mm -hmm. And they said that their souls had been taken. Mm -hmm. And they hear the the mumbling start again, but this grunting laugh. Now, the, the psychic claims that it's not everyone that is upset here, it's just one, it's the doctor... He went mad, committed suicide, and is collecting souls. So they stay strong, focused, they know it's mind games, and they also know, now this is really important, that it is not demonic, that what they are dealing with is mental health, a soul that's gone to the other side. Now, sometimes uh, spirits do realise that their health issues have gone, and we've discovered this through our seance parlour, but sometimes they don't and they still hold on to some of their, their traits that they had in the human world. Do you agree with that? That's very interesting. Hmm. I can see her looking at me as if to say, what the hell are you talking about, hmm.
1: woman?
0: Um, so this medium saying that he suffered from schizophrenia schizophrenia, and was delusional.
1: Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that this medium is saying that even though this soul has passed, he is still in this state. He's, he's stuck in his death state, he, right. this, this madness. Okay. Because he's on this particular place that you've called the in-between. Mm-hmm. This place that is neither here nor there. So he is literally himself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but without yes, moved a on. body. <laughs> mm. So
0: they do something which I really like. I really like this concept. that They decide to treat him as someone with an illness, rather than a demonic entity. Mm-hmm. And they, they talk to him as if he is a human, mm-hmm. and um, they want to help him. They want to offer assistance and they decide to hold a seance. Now there's two reasons for holding the seance. It's to talk to the doctor and trying to Um, help him, but also to contact the two boys whose souls are stuck in the in-between. So they form a circle, they hold hands, and they start channelling, and uh, the, the medium have the job of connecting with the doctor and um, the lady who's telling the story had the the job of connecting with the boys. So the way they were communicating was by squeezing the hand. So when the medium made contact with the doctor, she squeezed the hand of uh, the lady who was trying to contact the boys. And when the woman looking after the boys contacted the boys, she squeezed the hand. So they knew they had the connections. Um, they, they sat in this circle with a photo of the two boys in the middle um, and they they sent empathy to the doctor. They, they sent him um, healing, so to speak. Now, the medium, uh, the the one who's looking after boys is calling out to the boys, calling them in. She connects with them. Um, now, at this stage, the, they've, they've sort of won the doctor over because they're allowed to get to the boys. But then he realises that they're trying to take him, mm-hmm. take the boys. Mm-hmm. So he starts to try and strangle them. So they're all starting to gasp and and try and get their breath. Um, And they keep saying, yeah, we're just here to try and help. We're trying to help you. Um, And they use their will to overcome the will of the doctor and the the strangulation breaks. Um, They realise they've got the boys back. And as the sensation stops, they are released and they see what looks like a smoke tornado in the middle of their circle get stronger and stronger, blacker and blacker, and shoot up and disappear. So they don't think that they've actually moved the doctor on, but they broke the hold of what was happening there. Mm -hmm. So they head back in. Um, They're all a bit groggy and they find the boys and the boys are coming too, but they're very weak. Mm -hmm. So they they get all the boys off the island. The, The team's all in shock and on the way back, to the mainland the boys start to return to normal so when people say that something is illegal to go to the island maybe there is a reason for doing that maybe Mm -hmm. that the government is either trying to protect them from this entity that's there and there is more out there than the day-to-day world that we experience now I have a couple of theories on that. First off, I think that's a great story. But honestly, the way she told it was so real and a little part of my mind thinks maybe it was. Maybe that is a true story and that really happened. I don't know. But it sort
1: of works. Yeah. You don't have any information to tell you whether that story is real or not. No,
0: apparently many, many, many people have gone missing on this island and there is no reports anywhere. The government does not keep copies of the records of people who have reportedly gone missing on this island.
1: It all adds to the intrigue, doesn't it? It
0: does. But right back in Napoleon's day they were using the stories of the ghosts on the island to keep people off it and maybe that's what the government's been doing to keep people off it. Um... And I think it's backfired on them because now they need to sell this island. Mm-hmm.
1: Who's going to buy it? Who's going
0: to buy it? And there is the story of one uh, family that did buy the island, and uh, they went over there with big expectations of how they were going to renovate it, make it into a resort. It was going to mm-hmm. be fabulous. They lasted one night. Mm-hmm. Something and
1: happened to the daughter. The, something didn't did it, happen yeah. to the
0: daughter. They they got her off the island, and um, they got there and to the hospital and half her face had been ripped off and she required 14 stitches to to stitch and they refused to say what happened. Wow. So nobody really knows. Also, there is the stories of the workmen who have gone over there to rebuild and renovate and uh, they have also abandoned the job and left and refused to say why. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they've made a pact to... uh, to not reveal their story, but a little bit like you with that restaurant mm-hmm. where you've made a pact mm-hmm. um, not to reveal the stories if they will
1: leave you alone. Mm-hmm. So there is, is it urban legend? It's a mixture of everything, isn't it? But, I mean, if you look at the hundreds of years of history of this island, I would find it really difficult to not to, to step onto that island and not be overtaken by what I know about it.
0: The sadness mm. and the, the horror of what happened there.
1: Yeah. So is it a true haunting? Mm. 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 That's difficult. I think the only people that could tell you whether they have had truly haunted experiences are those that have been able to go onto the island and actually have personal experiences.
0: Or well, maybe we need to ask the new owners because apparently earlier this month around, I think Jenny said it was about the 5th of December, the island was sold. Ooh. And I can't find any information. I have tried really hard to find who the new owners are. It might be Zach. But... Maybe we'll find out some more stories about Paveya
1: Island. There could be a second episode. Stay with us
0: for our next episode next week, which will be the Ancient Ram Inn in England, which we've been to, Renata. Goody,
1: goody, goody. Oh wait. Give us a sign. Let's get it. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. Those old ladies are faking it. Those old ladies are faking it. Oh, we've
0: got some stories to tell you on this one. Uh, But please, if you have enjoyed this podcast, share it around with your friends. We want to invite as many people into our family as we possibly can and if you've loved it give us a five star rating on itunes because that keeps us visible in the statistics and they will keep showing our podcast to people everyone have a great day and stay on the dark side
2: thank you for listening to this episode of true hauntings if you like the show give us a five star rating and leave a review Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network.